Amen. Well, we're thankful you're here this morning. You can be seated. So we're excited to have uh, my uncle Chad here this morning. He's going to be sharing the word with you. God's been stirring a message in him uh, that I believe is going to pour life into you, encourage you this morning. So would you help me encourage him as he comes to speak? Put your hands together and let's welcome him. Thank you. Been a long time since I've stood up here. Old jitters are back. But I wanted to take a minute to thank Garrett for the invitation to stand up here this morning and share with you what I feel like God has been dealing with me about. Do you want God to put new wine in you? We pray, we get up all the time, and we pray, God, do in me what you want to do in me. Make me who you want me to be. But sometimes when we get pressed and we get crushed, we don't understand, do we? I wanted to start this morning in uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 20. It's a scripture that everybody knows. Most of you probably haven't memorized. But I want to pull a little something different out of it today. We, as a people, God needs to be able to use us in order for us to be effective. He needs to be able to use us in any way that he can not just the ways that we want to allow him to use us. Verse 20. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Here's a big three letter word. And. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Another big three-letter word. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. What I want to talk to you about today or share with you is when mountains seem unmovable. Yes. In other words... You have the faith, you believe, you receive, you've forgiven, God's forgiven you, and you've asked this mountain to be cast in the sea for it to remain before you. And I said, I've done everything, God, that you've asked me to do here. I want this, I've been walking on the plains. In other words, my life's been easy. And all of a sudden, I have this before me. 
I can't seem to go any further. Teresa and I have been walking a lot. I'll walk with her all day long in the state of Florida. The ground is flat, but walk around here, I can't do it. I won't walk up and down hills. It's too hard on me. And she always wants to go walk the bridge, the only place that has an arch to it in Florida. But we come up on this mountain, and I want to talk about the mountain just for a minute. There are different ways that mountains appear before us. And I want to use great men of the Bible to explain what I'm talking about here. Basically, in this scripture, Jesus is telling them and teaching them to take direct spiritual authority in the spiritual realm to impact the natural or the physical. So that we're to use what we know to do in God, in our hearts and in our minds, in our spiritual authority, to impact that mountain. The mountain that we see before us. But in looking at the different types of mountains, I want to use Moses as one example. The accidental mountain. A self-made mountain is what I want to talk about right now. One of the mountains that may come before us we basically created the mountain. You know, Moses, he accidentally killed an Egyptian man that was beating a Hebrew man. All he was trying to do was help that man. And a fatal blow killed the Egyptian man. So in fear of Moses fled into exile, that Pharaoh was going to kill him for killing the Egyptian man. And so it's, the Bible tells us that he wandered around on the backside of a mountain for 40 years. Probably, if you want to take a minute to think about it, drowning in a sea of his own questions. Why did I step in and help that man? I would not be where I'm at today had I not made that decision. And then there's David. We all know the story of David. He had an affair with a married woman. Then he made his mountain bigger and went and killed her husband. And so in David, he prepared all those years to build the temple, but yet God denied him the opportunity to build it. He had to flee Jerusalem because of his own son who was attempting to overthrow him. And so while he was gone, can you imagine David in his mind drowning in a sea of his own questions because this mountain was before him. His walk was not so easy at this time. And then we can go to Job. Simply a God-approved test mountain. Here's Job, upstanding, upright man, known as a, a, a man that walked with God. A blameless man, not a sinless man. There's a difference. But he knew. He lived according to God's word and was blessed. He had health, wealth, a great family. Everything looked good for him. And then so the enemy comes to God and he says, you know, that man only worships you and praises you because of what he has. God, you have this hedge of protection around Job. 
that won't allow me to get in and mess with his world at all. You lift that hedge of protection from Job, God, and I'll see to it that that man curses you. Here comes Job's mountain. And God, knowing everything about you and I, just as he did Job, knew that Job wouldn't curse him. So he said, okay, I'm going to lift the hedge of protection around Job. Job loses everything. His health, his wealth, and his children. Never cursed God. But Job wandered around for years, drowning in a sea of his own questions. And I thought, God, I mean, can you imagine, Job? What did I do? What did I do to deserve? I've done nothing. I did everything the way you said to do it, God. Why is this happening to me? Why is this mountain before me? Why do I have to climb this mountain? Let's move on to Joseph. The betrayal mountain. Betrayed by his own brothers, not his Christian brothers, his blood brothers. How many of you would believe if you don't have family, what do you have? They're going to be the ones that should have your back, that should be there for you, that should support you in whatever it is God is trying to do for you. And all Joseph did was tell his brothers of his dreams. And they're like, I'm not bound down to you. We'll fix this. So they threw him in a pit, sold him to slavery. Then falsely accused, he went to prison. So Joseph had his mountain, his drowning in his sea of questions. I mean, I, I can imagine the first question I would have asked God. If I was Joseph, why didn't the first dream you give me tell me what my brothers were going to do to me if I told them of the other two dreams you had? That would have been a whole lot easier on me, God. You're going to supply me with dreams, but you forgot to give me that one? I'm just trying to pave a way to show you what happened. It's life. Mountains are life. So you have the self-made mountains, you have the God-approved test mountains, you have the betrayal mountains. Look at Jesus. Judas kissed him right on the cheek, probably looked him straight in the eye and smiled at him. Sent him straight to the cross. It's life. But let me tell you a little bit about the mountain. The mountain is put there not for you to stand before it and cuss it, kick it, yell at it, and wander around for 40 years in a sea of questions as to why. The mountain is put there for you to begin to climb it. Because on this mountain, you're gonna develop strength, you're gonna develop wisdom, you're gonna develop in you what God wants to put in you, the strengths that he wants to see come out of you. You're going to develop trust. 
God showed me this for me. And it's me. It's the way I choose to live life, learn everything the hard way. But I saw myself with a hard hat on, my light, a pick, and an umbrella. Or I mean an umbrella. Wheel, a wheelbarrow. I might need an umbrella. But I am trying to dig my way through the mountain. Chipping it. Chipping away at it. Beating on it. Loading it up in my wheelbarrow, hauling it out of the hole that I've dug and throwing it out and going back in. I was fighting it in the natural, in the physical. I can do this. I knew I didn't want to stand there in front of it and not choose to try to get on the other side of it. But what I needed to do rather than try to go through it was get over it. And I felt like God said, you're headed into a dark place. You're going, you're going somewhere. I don't, you, you're not going to live long enough to chip your way through that mountain. You're headed to a dark, stay out in the light. Take my hand and let me lead you up and over this mountain. And I saw myself on my knees, clinging to the side of it, hanging on, only making certain amounts of climbs or only making, only getting an eighth of a way up the mountain where I could find a place to, a plateau, if you will, to rest, lay down, let him teach me. Let him show me along the way instead of just beating myself to death trying to get through the mountain. Why me? What did I do? Why is this happening? But let me teach you and take you over the mountain. And I picture myself when the day comes reaching the top of that mountain and I've already asked God, can I stand there just a minute and take in the view? You see, he wants to get you over the mountain so you can get your new wine. In other words, when he cursed the fig tree at the root, on the other side of the mountain is new soil. On the other side of the mountain is a brand new fig tree that is bearing fruit and that is growing. On this side of the mountain, the fig tree is dead. It's time that we pack up and get to the new wine. He has to change something in you. Trust me, I don't believe anything needs to be changed in me. I think I'm okay. And I don't think I stand alone in that. But back up to Moses. Back up to Moses here a minute. Yes, he wandered around, and the whole time God was making him ready, preparing him to lead his chosen people out of slavery towards the promised land. He was preparing Moses to raise his staff and part the sea. Do you want to raise your staff and part the sea? Or do you want to be the one that has to follow? 
Be the one that leads. Tell God you want to be the one that leads. Put in me what I need to raise my staff and part the sea. Look at David. Had David not went through what he went through, do you think God would have called him a man after his own heart? While David was on his knees begging for forgiveness, saying, God, restore in me what I messed up. Restore in me. Don't leave me. Don't forsake me. In other words, you may know why your mountain's in front of you. It doesn't matter why you have your mountain. Or you may be like Job. I don't deserve this mountain. But look at Job. When he got, Job got stuck. He did. I've studied up a few little bit on, he just, he just got stuck on why. And probably hung around in it a lot longer than he should have. If he just would have said, okay, it's here. Take my hand, lead me over it. Yes, I want it to be cast in the sea. Hey, I, I'm not saying God can't cast your mountain straight into the sea and you may be able to continue to walk on the plain and plains and never have to climb anything. But you need to realize that you are extremely blessed if that's the way you can go through life. I've cast my mountain into the sea. Wake up that morning with joy to go to bed tonight with my mountain washed ashore again sitting in front of me. But I'll try it again. I'll cast it into the sea again. In other words, I'm just going higher up the mountain. God's leading me higher, taking me higher, teaching me more, showing me more about him and making, quite honestly, for lack of a better term, a better man out of me. When that mountain's put before you, it causes you to reevaluate things, doesn't it? Sit back and look and say, what have I done? What could I have done better? How can I be better? What's going to, what, what do you want? Why is this mountain here, God? When I reach the top, what is it that you want me to see new in me? The new wine in me is going to be what? Job ended up with twice what he had before. He lost his children, God gave him three more, but you know, he never really did lose his children. They went to be with the father and he would see him again. So he had double what he had before, but the mountain was before him and he had to get over it. Joseph, second in command, the brothers that betrayed him, they ended up doing exactly what his dream said they were going to do. They threw that mountain before him, but it didn't stop what God had set in motion. What the enemy uses for our pain, God uses for our good. God is going to do what God is going to do. You can choose to lie in front of the mountain I'm not saying you don't reach a time when you just get tired. God, really, I have to go get new wine one more time. Because see, once you get over the mountain that you're in front of today, it's not your last mountain. If you continue to live and you continue to ask God to show 
you what you, he wants you to do. If you don't want any of that, you may not have any mountains because he doesn't need to improve you. He doesn't need to work in you. Jesus, his mountain came on Friday and his new wine came on Sunday. He didn't spend 40 years wandering around. He spent three days. He's a lot wiser than the rest of us. Because he already knew who was in control. He already knew what his purpose was. Now there's this kind of mountain. And I'm going to try to explain this the best way I can. Sometimes we're walking on the plains, life is going good. And we look before us and we see a mountain range way up ahead of us. In other words, maybe a warning. You know it's coming, you know you're headed that direction and sooner or later you're gonna to have to climb it. A lot of times we ignore it, put it off, we'll deal with it when we get there and that's what you're supposed to do. You'll deal with it when you get there. But you have to also understand, I believe God gives us warnings sometimes. Imagine you're sitting in your house and your air conditioning is working, but it's out there clanging and banging and making all different kinds of noises. You put it off. It's still working, you say. You come home from work one day and your house is 100 degrees and there your air conditioner's quit. You call and get an estimate. The guy comes out and tells you it's going to cost $6,000 to fix it. You were hoping you could fix it for $75. And... Praying, praying the whole time that you could fix it for $75. But that's not the case. And so you tell the guy, you say, I'll get back with you. I can't afford to do that right now. I can't afford to climb that mountain right now. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But when my income tax money comes back in, and this is the middle of July, and you're not going to get that till April or May, I'll fix it then. I will address the mountain then. What happens? You get out of the shower, out of a cold shower, five minutes later you're breaking out into a sweat. You're not cooking in the kitchen because it's too hot. You're not sleeping well, you're tossing and turning and flipping and flopping. So your life is being affected because you made a decision that you can't afford to climb that mountain right now. But yet, one of your friends has offered to lend you the money, but you don't want to get into that kind of, you don't want to ruin that friendship. God sent you a promotional credit card that you could have gotten $10,000 for one year for 0% interest for a $40 check fee, but you tore it up, I'm not doing that. I'm not telling you to go out and get in debt, I'm trying to make a point, I want you to listen to me. Sometimes God, shows you things and he wants you to go ahead and prepare yourself to start climbing but we decide we decide the timing two weeks before your irs check comes in your car breaks down it's a mountain it's life right isn't that the way it works you set your plans of when you think you can afford to climb this mountain god will change it You need to climb it when God puts it before you or when God says, God shows you. In other words, 
Quit making your own timing. We all know that our timing is not God's timing. But the, you know the whole time that you were flipping and flopping, not sleeping, and all of that, that people were noticing a difference in you? You were a little agitated, you were a little irritated. Nobody really knew why. You didn't tell everybody your air conditioner wasn't working, but you're at work and somebody said something, you snap at them because you're tired, you don't feel good. It's not you. But because you chose to put that off, it has changed your personality in a wrong way. Because we don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to climb it. I'll do it then, God. God is saying to you, I'm here. I'm here to help you. Give me your hand and let me lead you up and over this mountain today. Start your journey today. You can't turn around and go back. You can't. And you know, when I get to the top of that mountain, I ask God, I said, you know, it says not to, in Philippians, um, Paul, I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to have obtained all that God has for me. But I'm going to press on. I'm going to go to the goal. This I'm going to do. And that's the attitude that we have to have. Through the valleys, through the plains, through the mountains, and through the hills. You can't let them stop you. And you can't go back. God's not going to let you go back. You can spend more time wandering around in the wilderness. Take the wilderness not as a place that's underneath your feet, but in your mind. You can spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness asking God why. Why me? What did I do? Even if I did do it, forgive me and let me go on. He will. But it's going to be an uphill climb. There's new wine. There's new freedom. There's new power on the other side of the mountain. And it's not an easy journey. I wanted to read something to you. There was a friend of mine that I was giving this, I was telling him what I was speaking on. And he gave me this scripture. And it's, um, it's in Matthew. But it's in the Message Bible. And I want to read it to you. Matthew 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed ones, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. I like all the climbing in that. That's why I chose to read this. It's a climb. This is what he said to them. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Are you at the end of the rope at the bottom of that mountain? God's dropping you a new rope, wanting to pull you up. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. 
A lot of times when we reach the bottom of that mountain, we forget about who we are for the first time and let God work in us. In other words, we're not quite so pompous. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that you can't buy. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, listen to this, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. When you get right in your spirit, when God can work in your spiritual being, and you go to him in the spiritual realm, then you'll see him impact the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. Boy, and a bunch of us like to be able to do that. That's when you discover who you really are and you're blessed in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution the persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do and all of heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. Now listen to this. My prophets and my witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. His prophets and his witnesses have always had mountains before them that they had to climb. The whole purpose of my message today or the main thing that I want to say is don't don't reach a point in your own mind whether you feel you've done something that created this mountain or you don't understand why the mountain's there or you do understand why the mountain's there and you had nothing to do with it it doesn't matter it's been put there for a reason God said he would never give you more than you can handle and he said that he would cast that mountain into the sea if you believe him. That means basically that you're gonna get over the mountain and you're gonna go receive everything that he has. Do you want that? You have to say to yourself, that's what I want. I want to be God, no matter how you bring me there. Hold tightly to what God's put in your heart, but hold loosely as to how it's gonna happen. And understand that you're probably not going to be the only human being alive that gets through life without dealing with life and the mountains that it drops before you. Mountains, they're a good thing.
The mountain will develop patience in you, humility, strength, trust, and guidance. You may feel the mountains in the walk of life may be put there to keep you from reaching your destiny. However, they will mold you into exactly what God has intended for you. You see, the fruit of that root will die this day on that side of the mountain. But when you reach new wine, the fruit of that root will live this day. It's like she said earlier, we've lost the art of laying down. I don't want to let that go. You know why? Because you, this is what I felt like God said to me, Chad, look beyond the mountain. Know what's on the other side. I'm like, okay, God, be like Joseph and let me clearly see what's on the other side. That's what we want. How do you develop trust? If you have to know everything, you have to understand everything. Where does trust come in? And have faith in God. Believe and receive. Forgive and you will be forgiven. I've asked God several times, what is true forgiveness? How do I know? Have I started my journey up that mountain only to feel like I fell all the way back to the bottom and had to start over? Absolutely. But I'm gaining wisdom on that mountain. Now I don't want to fall back down. If I have to stop and rest for a while and take him in, camp out there for a little bit before I begin my journey on up the mountain even higher. You see, I, I'm learning. And that's all he's ever intended. That's why your mountain is there, that you learn. Love him and know he loves you. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. You have to decide you want the very best for yourself in him. Please don't tell yourself you can't afford to climb that mountain right now. Because quite honestly, you can't afford not to. Your coworkers will appreciate it. You'll smell better. You'll be a better person because you've got rest. I love those mornings I wake up fully rested. That's when joy comes in the morning. But don't feel alone when you feel like you've stood before that mountain and asked God to cast it into the sea so you wouldn't have to climb it. When he, like I said, it washes back up before you. 
when he's saying, I need you to climb this one. This mountain needs to be climbed. But on the other side is all you need and all I have for you. Come and get it. Look beyond the mountain and love him and praise him for it. Love him and praise him for your mountain, even though you don't feel like it. I mean, that's, can you imagine Joseph and Moses? No. I'm sure they didn't want to. They never gave up on him. None of them. They went to him, before him, because of the mountain. I love you. Thank you.